And you know, sometimes people say, you know, God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. And I think that, you know what, I think that we misunderstand sometimes the verses that we use to support that. God may sometimes give you something that seems completely overwhelming, that seems that you cannot make it through, that seems like, God, why did you give me this? What, 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 I didn't even do anything. Sometimes God gives us, allows things to happen that we have not created ourselves. But God reminds us that no matter what storm, no matter what circumstance comes in our lives, even when it seems that we can't get through it in our own strength, with God's strength, we can make it through all things. Amen. We are living in, in perilous times, and I, I believe truly that God is calling us to be a model for this world, to be what the world can't seem to find in the chaos that is going on around us. And so I hope today that you will be inspired to really, really grow, thank you, in your own personal relationship with the Lord. And then use that as a tool to really reach our communities. Our communities around us are truly dying and they're desperate for something. And I believe that something is what we have. And so I would encourage us to really, really, truly be the model that God has called us to be. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for this Sabbath day. Lord God, you have a special work for us to do. And Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would be with us this morning. I ask that you would fill each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask for myself that you would be with the words that I am to speak, Lord God, and whatever comes out of my mouth, that it may glorify you. And Lord God, I, I ask that you would be with the members and that you would be with them and let the Holy Spirit allow them to open up their hearts and minds to receive the word that you have for them today. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One day I was driving home from work when all of a sudden it started to pour down raining. I couldn't see the road ahead of me, so instantly I started to pray. And, and why was that? Because I knew that although I couldn't see through the storm, there was one who could see through the storm. I continued driving, trusting the eyes of the one who was guiding my car until shortly after the storm subsided. Oftentimes, I'm sure you can agree, we find ourselves in a storm and we fret because we are, we are viewing the storm from our own human perspective. But when we focus on Jesus instead of the storm, 
We remember that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So how do you manage the storms in your life? How do you survive when the world around you seems to be going mad and there's chaos everywhere? Well, David found himself in the midst of a storm. And I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to read in your hearing. Again, that's 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we'll be, I'll be reading verses 1 through 6. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahonaham the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. See, David, when he was running from Saul, instead of finding refuge in God, David sought refuge with the Philistines, the enemy of Israel and God. And now when the battle between the Philistines and Saul ensued, David was perplexed at the thought of fighting with God's enemy. He definitely was in a bind. Although David's own actions had led him down this path, God in his mercy did not leave David there because he knew that in David's heart, he wanted to please God. Heavenly angels moved upon the Philistine princes, and they actually protested the presence of David and his band, and they were sent back to their encampment. God had made a way through a storm, but David didn't know he was getting ready to walk right into another storm. And as David and his band approached Ziglag, they encountered a scene of utter desolation. The Amalekites had sacked and burned their city, took the women and children as captives, and robbed them of their possessions. And the men began to weep. And then they turned upon David as the cause of their misfortune, and they threatened to stone him. Have you ever found yourself in a place where all the cards seem stacked against you? No earthly support and even family and friends turn against you? Like Job, 
David lost all that was important to him on earth. And what would David do now? It seemed as if he had no one to turn to. But in the midst of the storm, David placed his focus on Jesus and not on the storm. Amen? Instead of dwelling on his circumstances, David looked to God. And 1 Samuel 36 says that David was greatly distressed. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And as a version I read this morning said, David strengthened himself in the Lord. And why was that? And that was because David probably remembered that God had said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or maybe David remembered that God said, don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Or maybe he said in his heart, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And so instead of trusting in his own wisdom, David sought the wisdom of God regarding his next course of action. Should he pursue the Amalekites? Would he have victory? The answer from God was pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them and shalt without fail recover all. And God gave David favor and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. This story of David and his trusting and looking to God in the midst of the storm also reminds me of the story of Jehoshaphat. And I know we talked about this in our Sabbath school last, lesson last week, that Jehoshaphat had received a report that there was a vast army that was coming against him. And Jehoshaphat found himself in the midst of a storm. But Jehoshaphat did two important things. First, he realized his powerlessness to resolve the problem on his own. And second, he put his focus on Jesus. He said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Where we keep our eyes in the midst of a storm will determine how the storm impacts us. We all know that over the past two plus years, the lives of the inhabitants of the entire world have been forever changed. With COVID-19, we have found ourselves experiencing social distancing, fears, doubts, and death. There are wars and rumors of wars, and depression and anxiety is increasing especially among our youth. In my own practice, I've seen a growing number of young people who are experiencing anxiety and depression. From August 2021 through February 20, uh, from August 2020 through February 2021, the percentage of adults with recent symptoms of an anxiety or a depressive disorder increased from 36.4% to 41.5%. And the age groups that are most impacted are people between the ages of 18 to 29 years old 
and those with less than a high school education. We all know that dealing with school, family, relationships, work or finances can be demanding. And we all go through stressful situations and we all have had moments where we felt down or we felt anxious. But what symptoms signal that something more serious is occurring? And what is depression anyway? First, I want to be clear that depression is an illness and not a weakness. And while everyone experiences moments of feeling down, for some, these moments are ongoing and they may actually interfere with normal daily functioning. Common signs of major depression include a depressed mood or loss of interest or pleasure in most or all activities lasting for two weeks or more and accompanied by changes in sleep, changes in weight or eating habits, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, thoughts of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt, or recurrent thoughts of death or suicide. What are some risk factors for depression? Things like genetics, our environment, low self-esteem, substance abuse, trauma, stressful life events, low parental warmth, a history of divorce or marital problems, low social support, and low education. And all the, many of these things are areas in where we as a church can be supportive to one another and also to our communities. There are also nutritional deficiencies that are associated with depression. And these can be things such as having low vitamin D levels, low levels of zinc, magnesium, iron, omega-3, B vitamins, and folate. And by the way, um, all those nutritional things that I just mentioned are found in plants, with the exception of vitamin D. And so as we'll talk about a little bit later, one of the ways to potentially help us with our mood is by monitoring what we eat. What medical conditions are associated with depression? Things like thyroid disorders, cardiac or heart disease, diabetes, neurologic disorders, pain, and substance abuse. So with all that is going on in our lives and the world around us, what can we do to protect ourselves against depression? Well, as we talked about David and Jehoshaphat, perspective is important. Our, our, our outlook starts with our thoughts. What we think has a great impact on how we feel and how we view life. David and Jehoshaphat both found themselves in depressing situations, but instead of focusing on their circumstances, they placed their focus on God. Amen? Our thoughts have a powerful impact on our lives. A careful, a famous uh, Chinese proverb states, be careful of your thoughts, for your thoughts become your words. 
Be careful of your words, for your words become your actions. Be careful of your actions, for your actions become your habits. Be careful of your habits, for your habits become your character. Be careful of your character, for your character becomes your destiny. Where we focus our attention and thoughts will determine how we weather the storms in our lives. In what or in whom we put our trust will determine our outlook on our circumstances. So the first protective factor against depression is focusing on God. But how do we focus on God when we're depressed and we don't feel good? As we talked about again in the Sabbath school last week, we praise God not because we feel good, but because God is good, amen? It is our trust in God's goodness that draws our thoughts from a focus on self and the circumstances and the madness of the world around us to a focus on God and his ability to change our circumstances and help us to navigate through the storms of life. So how can we understand this word trust in God and how then do we apply it to our lives? A definition of trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or in something. Therefore, when we have faith, it leads us to completely trust or have confidence in God's reliability, his truth, his ability, and his strength. In mind, character, and personality, it says faith is defined as trusting God, believing that he loves us and knows best what is for our good. Thus, instead of our own, it leads us to choose his way. In place of our ignorance, it accepts his wisdom. In place of our weakness, his strength. In place of our sinfulness, his righteousness. So why then can we trust God? Is God reliable? Is he truthful? Does he have ability? Does he have strength? Absolutely. Jesus Christ took upon himself human nature. He became acquainted with all the trials, with all the sorrows, and with all the sufferings of humanity that he might know how to support us in times of hardship and distress. Jesus did not come just to this earth to die. He came to live, to live as we live, to experience what we experience. He understands what we go through. If no one else does, Jesus understands what we deal with. And we can trust someone who understands our own experiences. Amen? But then why do we find it so difficult to trust God in every aspect of our lives? We trust that the sun will rise each morning, and the moon will come out and light the sky every night. 
We trust that the seasons will change, but do we trust God in the storm? Do we trust God when life seems unfair? Do we trust God when the world around us is falling apart? Do we trust God when a loved one dies too soon? Do we trust God with our choices, with our finances, with every aspect of our health? Do we trust God in the moments when he seems silent? Fear of uncertainty leads to distrust. So then again, how do we develop trust in God? According to the Harvard Business Review, there are three elements of trust. We trust people with whom we have positive relationships. We trust people who have good judgment or expertise. And we trust things that are consistent. And I believe that we can apply all these aspects in our relationship with God. First of all, God is love. Amen? And God does not just display love. He is the definition of love. Every aspect of God in his relationship with us is rooted in his love for us. It is God that takes the initiative to form positive relationships with us. And then there is good judgment and expertise. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. We know that God is the Alpha and the Omega, and he's everything in between. His expertise is beyond our understanding because God is the expert of all things. And then there is the consistency part. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried through? I would dare say that we can all say, no, God has never failed us. God is always and has always been consistent. And so here we see that God in his interactions with us, he displays every condition of trust. He initiates a positive relationship with us. He is the expert of all, and he is consistent and has never failed. So what if I trust in God and things still don't go right? I know we've all been there, too, where we've trusted in God and things just never went the way we wanted to. Or again, there's times when we're praying and God seems to be silent or God gives the answer that we didn't want or, or that we didn't expect. When our trust and our focus is on Christ, then it doesn't mean we won't get depressed or mad or frustrated or have disappointments, but it does mean that our mood stabilizer can be found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Instead of focusing on our circumstances, we have to focus on Jesus. 
Isaiah reminds us that when we focus on Jesus, he will keep us in perfect peace because our minds are stayed on him. And by keeping our minds stayed on Christ, we learn to trust in him. But when the mind focuses on self in unhealthy ways, it can lead to destructive thought patterns. Ministry of Healing says, disease is sometimes produced and is often greatly aggravated by the imagination. So in some cases, we can think ourselves well or we can think ourselves sick. And although this may seem oversimplified, our thoughts truly have an empow- a powerful impact on our health. That's why the Bible says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What we focus on affects our outlook on life. At the age of 30, I was diagnosed with a genetic kidney disorder. And this was, this is the same disorder that took my mother's life at the age of, the young age of 59. And when I found out through just some routine tests, I experienced all types of emotions, of frustration, of anger, of sadness. And like Paul, many times I have asked God to remove it. But his reply to me has been, my grace is sufficient for you. So I had two choices. I had a choice to live well, or I had a choice to live sick. And what I, so what I decided to do was to put my focus on Jesus Christ. And so each day, I do what God gives me the power to do by living a healthy plant-based life and trusting God to do what I cannot do. Like Paul, I learn to be content in whatever state I'm in because my focus is not on self and my situation, but my focus is on Christ, knowing that Christ knows everything that is going to happen in our lives. God doesn't bring things or allow things in our lives that we can't make it through. And, you know, sometimes people say, you know, God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. And I think that, you know what, I think that we misunderstand sometimes the verses that we use to support that. God may sometimes give you something that seems completely overwhelming, that seems that you cannot make it through. That seems like, God, why did you give me this? What, 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 I didn't even do anything. Sometimes God gives us, allows things to happen that we have not created ourselves. But God reminds us that no matter what storm, no matter what circumstance comes in our lives, even when it seems that we can't get through it in our own strength, with God's strength, we can make it through all things. Amen? And so we can be content 
in whatever life throws our way, not because we're going to get through it in our own abilities, but because we know the one who determines all and the one who will see it through us, through us, who will see us through it all. I have seen many patients who struggle under the weight of their own thoughts, who live in the fear of the uncertainty, and who have no one in whom they can trust other than themselves. And so when they cannot find a solution to their problems, they become hopeless because there's sometimes things that we just cannot solve on our own. And that's why we, as a church, not only need to understand how to trust God ourselves, but we need to live and model a life that testifies to the ways God is working in our lives. Joseph's life was a constant testimony. Joseph had been sold into slavery at a young age by his own brothers. Then he was lied on by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison. He was then forgotten by the chief butler. But after all of this, when he at last saw his brothers again, his testimony was, but as for you, and I, I, you know what, I hope this is all of our testimonies. When people throw daggers at us, and when people think that they are going to do things that will get in our way, remember that only God and us determine our destiny, and no one and, and nothing else. And so when Joseph saw his brothers, he said, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. See, Joseph knew that his destiny wasn't determined by people and circumstances. He knew that if he trusted God, that that was all that he needed. Joseph's perspective helped him to trust God during the storms of his life. And this is what would allow Joseph to fulfill the purpose God had for his life and be a witness to those around him. I imagine that Joseph did a lot of positive self-talk. And this is, again, a witness for us when we're going through the storms in life. Joseph had a choice of what he would allow his mind to dwell on. As he sat day by day in his jail cell, he could have said, woe is me, or he could choose to have hope in the God of his father. As Joseph dwelt on Christ, maybe he was given foresight of words that would be written by future prophets, such as Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, that says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Or maybe Joseph remembered Proverbs seventeen twenty two that says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. And so not only must we be like Joseph and train our minds to dwell on positive thoughts, we have to believe those thoughts. 
Abraham Lincoln once said, determine that the thing can and shall be done, and then we shall find a way. In our development of positive thinking, we have to start by spending time in the word of God. And as we grow in our relationship with God, then our confidence or our trust in God also grows. Then we believe that God will do what he says because we have seen the evidence in our own lives or in the lives of others. When we trust in God, our ability to dwell on positive thoughts improves, not just because we think the thoughts, but because we believe the thoughts. For example, Joseph probably not only thought to himself that God would see him through his difficulty, he believed that God would see him through his difficulty because he had cultivated faith in the word of God. And through this, he was able to endure the many trials he suffered. Satan knows how dear we are to God. And so because of this, he attempts to get us to focus inward instead of focusing on Jesus. He tries to distract us with the cares of this world, our daily activities, our problems. And when he sees us at our best, Satan brings a storm into our lives. We become overwhelmed, anxious, and depressed because we look at the storm with our own eyes instead of looking at Jesus and looking through the storm with his eyes. So besides cultivating a relationship with God, how do we equip our minds to focus on Jesus? And this is by creating an environment in the mind that is receptive to the Holy Spirit. So what affects our minds? It is the food we eat, the things we read or we listen to, our life experiences, our relationships, and the world around us. And while we, not, we cannot control all of these factors, many of them we can. We can control our relationships and who we spend time with. We can control what we listen to or what we read. And we can control what we eat. The choices we make in these areas ultimately affects the decisions we make. Christ's object lesson says anything that lessens physical strength enfeebles the mind and makes it less capable of discrimination between right and wrong. We become less capable of choosing the good and have less strength of will to do that which we know to be right. The misuse of our physical powers shortens the period of time in which our lives can be used for the glory of God. And it unfits us to accomplish the work God has given us to do. By allowing ourselves to form wrong habits, by keeping late hours, by gratifying appetite at the expense of health, we lay the foundation for feebleness. By neglecting physical exercise, by overworking mind or body, we unbalance the nervous system. Those who thus shorten their lives and unfit themselves for service by disregarding nature's laws are guilty of robbery towards God. That's deep. And they are robbing their fellow men also. The opportunity of blessing others 
The work for which God sent them into the world has by their own course of action been cut short. And they have unfitted themselves to do even that which in a briefer period of time they might have accomplished. The Lord holds us guilty when by our injurious habits we thus deprive the world of good. See, God has given us something special, something blessed. He wants us to find a blessing in that individually. And then he wants us to bless the world around us. As I said, you know, I'm a medical doctor and I believe in in medicine. I believe that um, medicine is important and it is very helpful. But I believe that it's not the answer to everything. And I believe that there are many ways in which we can help people to understand how to live healthy lives in the things that they're doing every day. But if we don't internalize it, if we don't live it ourselves, then we're going to miss the blessing that we can be to the world around us. And then when they're going to say, you knew and you never told us. God is going to, is holding us responsible for the light that we are to give to the world. And so how do we equip our minds again to resist oppression? We can follow those eight laws of health, as Debbie mentioned earlier today. Nutrition, diets high in processed foods, refined sugars, trans and saturated fats, and that's what you find in animal fats, these all increase the risk for depression. Whereas things such as B vitamins, zinc, magnesium, omega-3s, and amino acids from plant sources help to reduce depression risks. So how do you help reduce your risk for a depression? Follow a plant-based diet. Exercise. Exercise causes the release of endorphins, leading to improvement in brain function. So more exercise is going to help reduce your risk for depression. Water improves brain function and reduces toxin and inflammation. So get in your water, half your body weight in ounces every day. Sunlight increases production of not only vitamin D, which is actually a hormone, but it also increases production of neurotransmitter serotonin and melatonin. And all of these are involved in mood regulation. So I tell my patients all the time, especially those, all my patients, and those who are especially dealing with anxiety and depression, make sure you get outdoors every day and get some sunlight. Temperance, things such as alcohol, marijuana, and other substances can actually increase the risk for depression. Air, fresh air increases oxygen in the blood, which helps improve brain function and mood. Rest. Lack of sleep increases risk for depression and mood disorders. And so we know sleep is important for many, many things, as well as reducing risk for chronic disease as well. And so getting your seven to eight hours at night is important. And then as we've been talking about today, and I hope that you realize that this was the theme, is that trust in God. Trust in God. Without it, none of these other laws matter. 
We have to trust God in every aspect of our lives. And as we trust in God, it changes our perspective from being self-focused to being God-focused. And then we can dwell on the promises of God. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, And the Lord, he it is that doeth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And John 16.33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. When we trust in God, we won't find ourselves in a state of hopelessness. And this can protect us from depression. This doesn't mean that people who trust in God never get depressed. But when we find ourselves feeling down, we can change our outlook as we look to Christ and not ourselves. Jesus himself understands the importance of where we put our focus in the midst of storms. Jesus came to earth in the form of humanity so that he could experience everything we go through. He came so that he could be intimately connected with us. Jesus himself experienced storms. Jesus himself experienced depression and anxiety. He experienced rejection and abandonment, physical and verbal abuse. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible tells us that Jesus became deeply troubled and distressed. He said, my soul is crushed with grief. And he prayed that the storm would pass. But then... Praise God. Then he focused his attention on his father. And just like David, he strengthened himself in God. He fixed his eyes on his ultimate reward for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus understands our brokenness because he too experience brokenness. Jesus understands our storms because he too encountered storms. And Jesus knows that navigating through storms requires our minds to be clear and set on things above. And that is why he came to model a life of how we can get through the storms of life. Many of us have likely faced storms over the past couple of years. Storms of pain, death, disappointment, and sickness. And every storm is an opportunity for putting our focus on Jesus and for growth. A famous Christian author, Max Lucado, said, the challenge you face becomes a canvas upon which Christ can demonstrate his finest work. God is looking to help us write the greatest story. And that story is not going to be without failures, but it's going to be about survival through the power of Jesus Christ. God does not promise that there will be no storms, 
but he does promise to be with us in the midst of storms. But to make it through those storms, we must trust God. And that trust starts with a relationship and a preparation of the mind and body to receive the Holy Spirit. As I close here, a gospel song says, Even though your winds blow, I want you to know, you caused me no alarm, because I'm safe in his arms. Even though your rain falls, I can still make this call. Let there be peace now. I can say go away. I command you to move today. Because of faith, I have a brand new day. The sun will shine. I will out okay. That's what I told the storm. Keep your focus on Jesus and allow him to navigate you through the storms and the chaos and the madness of life. If you're going through a storm, if you just got out of a storm, or if you've experienced any storms in your life, I invite you to stand with me, declaring that no matter what comes your way, you will trust God to see you through. I also want to acknowledge that sometimes the storms in life become so overwhelming that we need immediate help to get through. And so I'm at saying that if you are experiencing prolonged periods of a depressed mood, see your doctor. It's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. And I just want to say the National Suicide Prevention Line, they've made it easy for us to remember now, is 988. And so share that with those around you. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 988. Church, there are storms ahead of us individually and as a church. I pray that God will give us the power to trust him. No matter what comes, we've got to trust him now. We cannot wait until tomorrow. No matter what you are dealing with or going through, trust God in every aspect of your life to carry you through the storms of life. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for loving us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came and lived a life to, and to be able to help us to navigate through the storms of life. Lord God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for all the storms that you have already brought us through and the future storms that you will get us through. Lord God, help us to trust you in everything. Lord God, now is time. We have waited too long, dear God. Help us to trust you in every aspect of our lives, in what we listen to, in what we eat, in what we drink, and how we think. Lord God, help us to know the time is at hand, and we must trust you in all things. Strengthen us, keep us, encourage us, Lord God, fill us with your spirit and give us the power to stand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.